Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Today, we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 3, page 30, the first paragraph. Most of us have been unwilling. And we're reading just that one paragraph. And today's readers are, and thank you for your uh, service, for the 12 Steps, Esther F., 12 Traditions, Kelly D., and reading the text are Penny C. and Katie G., and Craig F. is our backup. The reference numbers for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021, are for the 7 a.m., 16,183, that's 16183, and for the 10 a.m. is 16,184, that's 16184. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. This is the 12 steps. Number one, we, would, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for our knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Esther F. Okay, I will now ask Kelly D. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Kelly D., a compulsive overeater in Anderson, Indiana. 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, 
for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as we may, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Kelly. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To pr share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute the phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're starting chapter three, more about alcoholism. And we're in the first paragraph, most of us have been reading just that one paragraph. And I will ask Penny C. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive old reader from the Boston area. And thank you, Katie. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to admit he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Well, when I first uh, started working with with this big book, and and um, that was many many years ago now, and one of the things I was told is that my 
job as we went along was to identify with the what the big book was telling me about the alcoholic and apply it to my disease of compulsive overeating. However, when I got to this paragraph, I have to say that I am one of those people who had no trouble, no trouble at all, admitting I was a real compulsive overeater because I came to OA when I was 47, actually almost 48 years old, all my life from the time I was, I can remember, I couldn't stop eating and I was, I was just miserable and, you know, trying to lose weight and not knowing what was wrong with me. And at that very first meeting, a woman just happened to say, this disease of mine, and it was a real spiritual awakening for me. I was so happy to know that there was a name for what was wrong with me and that I had a disease. It wasn't that I was lazy or, or lacked willpower. I had a disease. I was, I really was very, very, um, it was a, it was an amazing, amazing uh, experience. And I drove home from that meeting and not, I, I went to OA not knowing a thing about what it was all about, except I knew it was another weight loss kind of program, which it isn't. It really isn't just we we might lose weight as a bonus, but it's about it's about you know changing ourselves, having a, a spiritual awakening, and being transformed. And so uh, I had I had no conception that I was or wasn't a real compulsive overeater, but I was convinced right there on the spot. And as we go through this chapter and and read about the, we're going to read about the man of 30, the Jay Walker, Jim and Fred, I could identify with each one of them. Parts of their stories really, really um, told me that I was, I was one of, one of us. And um, I, I'm so happy to be able to say every morning, you know, God, uh, I know that I'm a real compulsive old reader and I need your help. So even with long-term abstinence by the grace of God, uh, I, I am just, I'm so happy to call myself a real compulsive old reader and have no doubt about it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny. Thank you so much for getting us started on page 30, um, the first paragraph in the chapter more about alcoholism. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So if you've shared this week, then you need to hold off in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share? Ginger Janice P. P.M. Janice P.M. Karen K. Okay, let me tell you who I got. Okay, I got you, Reba. Okay, I have Ginger C, Janice PM, Susan H, Karen K, I think, Reba P. Who did I miss? Um, Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not not catching those names. Can you say them again, please? Pedro B. Pedro B. Melissa G. Geraldine G. Amy G. Amy G. 
And there was one more I think I missed. Anne? Anne? Yes, Anne. And C is in cat? B is in boy. Oh, B is in boy. Okay. Okay, so that's a big lineup. Here we go. Ginger C, Janice PM, Susan H, Karen K, Reva P, Pedro B, Melissa G, Amy G, and Ann B. And if I missed anybody's initials, you'll let me know. So go ahead, please, Ginger. Hey, Katie, Hello. good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, can you hear me? Good morning. Yes, I could hear you. Now I can't. Ginger, star one. Katie, can you hear me? Yes, we can now. Great. Okay, great. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And what a great lineup. And um, I love that we get to just share our experiences because that's all I have to bring each and every day with my recovery, what I've walked, what I've experienced. And, um, you know, my story is not the same story that was just shared with the beginning reader. I am absolutely 180 from that story. And I think it's why relapse was such a part of uh, my process in Overeaters Anonymous. I thought OA was a joke initially when my Ebby initially took me to a meeting in California. I was like, Overeaters Anonymous? Like, what the hell is this about? And um, it just takes what it takes, right? Every beautiful bite, because if you are a real compulsive overeater, it's progressive in nature. It only gets worse, never better. And it will convince you, but it took time. I just never could concede to my innermost self. And it's the most important beginning. Are you done? Are you beaten? Are you out of ideas? And sadly, many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death because they have this persistent illusion, this lie that somehow someday I'll beat the game or it's really not that bad and not that big of a deal. In AA, a lot of my buddies, again, they would say, Ginger, it's just ice cream until the ice cream became suicidal because when I eat sugar, I want to die. And that's where it took me to. But again, I had to give this disease, this addiction, the credit it deserved. And it only took those bites to bring me to that moment where it became life and death. And this is a life and death situation for me today. And I'm so grateful, again, for all the research I had to take to get to that place. Because if I don't go head to heart and I don't see it for what it is, I'm going to get back and I'm going to be eating over and over and over. And you took my booze. You took my drugs. How the hell am I supposed to be in my skin? I needed something. I needed some effect when life was falling apart and I couldn't stand the emotions within. So again, thank God for uh, what we go through because really it's a spiritual awakening to take step one. I'm an addict. I don't get honest and look at the truth. But again, the pain presses in and presses on and finally convinces me. And I was done. I was out of ideas. I found someone in whom the problem had been solved. I got busy. I got better. And thank God, food is not an issue today. And it's only because of the grace it lies down within. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Okay, Janice PM, you're up, followed by Susan H. Well, good morning to you, Katie. Good morning to you, Katie. This is Janice PM, and I am a grateful, recovered, 
compulsive overeater from <clears throat> Boston, Massachusetts. The title, more about alcoholism, more about my disease of compulsive overeating. You know, we noticed in the first three chapters that we did learn something about my compulsive overeating. We learned that we are bodily and mentally different. Yeah, I could see the bodily because I noticed that certain foods, when I ate them, they would trigger something off and I would go to town with it. But mentally, mm, I didn't really get the mental part because I felt, geez, I wasn't mental. But I came to learn that the way I thought about the, the, the ways and the methods that I tried to use myself to stop eating compulsively were crazy. Because I had the idea all the time, it was an obsession of the mind, that someday, somehow, I will control and enjoy my eating. Well, that was the great obsession of every abnormal eater. And that was my obsession. Well, I'll try this or I'll try that. I mean, someday, somehow, well, let me tell you, someday, somehow, I got crazier and crazier. And um, I wasn't near death. But let me tell you, you don't realize it. But I realized it for the, for the years of eating and doing whatever I did with the food is, yes, it was deathly. I just got through a cancer operation with my intestines. And you can't tell me that's not due to obesity because it is. Obesity, obesity. Oh, it's not going to happen to me. Oh no, my idea is I was, I didn't know the truth from the false. So this whole chapter is gonna, is the second part of the problem. It's, it's addressing the mental part of my disease. And yes, <clears throat> uh, when it comes to compulsive overeating, you know, that idea has to be smashed. I am as powerless over certain foods as I am in my thinking. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Good to hear you. <laughs> Susan H., you're up, followed by Karen K. Good morning. This Good morning. is Susan H. in Ohio. Good morning. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful. Uh, this is such a wonderful paragraph. And I think about all the years. How how did I prop up this illusion? How did I keep using the threadbare idea that if I just mustered my will again, I could beat it? Well, yeah, it was a lot of stubbornness. And uh, what a relief to come to a point of desperation, which was rock bottom for me. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I spent a lifetime trying and failing. To admit I couldn't in desperation meant I had to reach out to let myself trust another to do what was directed and get, get in return 
or the work that I did, a relationship with a higher power that is just unbelievable. Get a feeling of love that I just wasn't there before. And a journey that does not end until I do. I have come to know a design for living that really works. And I'm so grateful. I accept absolutely that I am still human. I remain human. I'm going to take my will back because humans do that. And I, I talk to my higher power. And I talk to fellows in program. And I remember, yeah, I, I'm in the right place. I'm right where I need to be. Yeah, may I stay in this journey forever. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Susan. Okay, um, Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Reba P. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for your service. read this morning. Um, yes, we're on page uh, 30, more about alcoholism. Thank you. Go ahead, please, Karen. Sorry for the interruption. Good morning, everybody, and, th- and thank you for your service. This is Karen Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. God's showing up again today. You know, I, I love this big book, and this is the unmanageability part of my disease and um, I just want to just share that this was me at 23. Somehow I thought I was not a, a compulsive eater. Um, this is the day that I celebrate the most. Uh, the 14th of uh, 1989 is when I went to treatment uh, for another problem. And um, I was only 23 years old, and I grew up in program. I never stopped going to meetings Um except for OA, of course, uh, when I went to OA, and then I just kind of like, it just scared me. I remember leaving right after my first meeting and just like cleaning out the trunk of my car and just vacuuming and stuff. And what I've learned is my recovery has been like a domino effect. You know, one thing goes, and another, then another. It's about complete surrender. You know, surrendering that I cannot eat safely, blank, blank, and blank, you know, um, that for me is total total surrender. I'm at a point in my life right now, you know, 32 years later, that when I have a problem with a person, place, or thing, I go directly. I don't have to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. I go directly, you know, and this is the beginning. The next paragraph talks about taking the first step to know that I am powerless over food. I am powerless over alcohol, people, places, and things. When I have a loving God that's going to protect me and love me and guide me and help others, you know, trust God, clean house, help others. And, um, you know, I don't think I can eat like other people or anything blank like other people. And I'm grateful for that because I don't even want to try. I mean, I've had enough enough trying to uh, do that. You know, I just, um, it's, it's all about the answers are in the steps surrender, and help someone in a very healthy way without overextending. And with that, I will pass, and God bless you all. Thank you, Karen. And um, now we will have uh, Reva P. followed by Pedro B. 
Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. This chapter is so important for me because I got it when I read the doctor's opinion that I had a physical allergy. I knew from my experience that once I took one of certain substances or ingredients, I just couldn't stop, couldn't stop at all. So I knew I had a physical allergy, but I thought my mind was pretty smart and pretty sane until my sponsor started rewinding um, the things that preceded picking up and the thoughts that went through my mind. And this chapter tells me the truth, more truth about alcoholism, and it gives me case examples of at least three people who were abstinent and started coming to program and picked up again. So like, what's with that? Um, So it's telling me I'm bodily and mentally, mentally, and I love the words illusion, insanity, and in the next paragraph, it's delusion. And it's telling me I don't perceive reality correctly. I don't. Um, And more than illusion, when I get to delusion, I actually believe a lie even though the evidence is totally contrary. So what was the lie with the food? This is going to make me feel better. I need this. I need to come down. I need to go up and have energy. Um, I need this. Um, I'm only going to have, you know, one, which was never based on the truth. It was totally false. Um, And then once in abstinence, you know, I don't perceive reality. Everything becomes negative, For me, things get catastrophic in my thinking. I go down to the worst case scenario. I don't perceive reality. It's like they say I have like the wrong pair of glasses on. And this emphasizes the total importance of why do I need to work the steps? I need to work the steps because I, on my own will, can't change the faulty perception and the faulty thinking. I can't make myself see the truth, even though I know this is happening. But by working the steps and allowing this higher power to come in, I start seeing things differently. And I'll never forget when I came into program, I was in a job, you know, the first inventory, everybody was wrong, the world was crazy. And the same people and the same job and the same environment was beautiful. And nothing changed but my mind. And I didn't do it. I just work the steps and it's like turning on a light and the light comes in when the room is dark. It's not a willful thing, um, but it really highlights why I need to keep working and keep working so I can still see the truth. And maybe I get that crazy thought at my first inclination, but then I get a second thought that says, no, you can't. You can't just have one. No, you can't just yell at this person. No, that's not going to work. Don't send the email just yet. Um, And that's the miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reba. Okay, Pedro B., you're up, followed by Melissa G., Good morning. Can can I be heard? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my name is Pedro. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live in San Bernardino, California, and uh, this is exactly where I am. It's on step one. I uh, recently uh, relapsed one more time. My mind has always convinced me to go back to my uh, ingredients and that I'm addicted to. Uh, and yeah, like I heard this morning, my credit from alcoholism doesn't doesn't change to uh, my compulsive overeating. I'm coming up on 25 years of sobriety, and uh, 
I don't seem to be able, up until now, to stay abstinent. To uh, anyways, um, so if, if I put this 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 paragraph into the I statement. I get to understand a little bit more. Like, for example, I say, I have been unwilling to admit that I'm a real compulsive overeater. You know, and, and then, you know, that sentence is early, early on. It says that um, uh, the uh, I forget the word they use. Uh, uh, I need three things, right? The, the essential. That's what they. That's the word. The essentials of recovery are honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. So if I don't have, if I am not honest with myself, I'm not open-minded about spiritual principles, and I'm not willing to do what it takes, guess what? I don't think I'm going to make it. As a matter of fact, probably I'm not going to make it. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to make it. You know, these are the essentials of recovery. And, uh, you know, I don't like to admit that I'm different, you know, bodily and mentally from, from my fellow. i I look myself. I look the same. Everybody, you know. So um, that I'm mentally different from my, you know. It's, it's like I remember coming in and when I read that step, came to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me. So, what are you talking about? You mean to tell me that I'm insane? And it's like no way. I these people are crazy, you know. But then you know what's this this uh, the description of, of insanity? You know, if I know that I am addicted to certain, you know, sugar, flour, for me, sugar, flour, saturated fat, I have no business touching it. Yet, my mind has always convinced me. And I really, I'm really happy with the feel, this feeling I'm getting that, uh, you know, I might, I might be able to work the steps and have a spiritual awakening so that I don't want to, you know, and, and right now, this, this, this period, this few days that I have, I'm so excited about it because I don't want to have any sugar flour and, and, and saturated fat. I don't want it. And then the other thing. Time, please, Pedro. Thank you very much. Uh, that's enough out of me. Thank you for letting me share. I hope everybody has a beautiful day full of peace, happiness, and good health. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and just let me just remind you all where we are. We're in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, the very first paragraph, and on page 30. So go ahead, please, Melissa G., followed by Amy G. Hi, um, this is Melissa G. from Michigan, compulsive overeater. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate this paragraph because it's so me. Um, I can remember sitting in my friend's office at work and just being like, I just wish there was a program that would work the way that, you know, AA works for alcoholics. And why can't people just understand that eating is so much more than just eating? Um, And of course, I eventually found OA and I didn't want that program. Because I didn't want to change spiritually. I didn't want to change emotionally. I just wanted the weight loss to come off, which I look back over my history, and I had lost the same 100 pounds probably 20 times in my life. Lost it, gain it, lost it, gain it. And um, this time around, I realized that, 
it really can't be about the weight loss for me. It can't be about wanting to fit into, you know, a certain size or looking like, you know, my neighbor or um, just fitting into the ideal. It has to come with a change from inside me. Um, And we talk about the vain attempts. God, I think about all the things I put my body through. And it's just, it's so limited in the life that I wanted to live. Like I, I just didn't see what life was when I was in the disease. At my last relapse, I, you know, they talk about insanity and suicidalness. I would eat from the second I woke up to the second I went to bed every night praying like, okay, tomorrow's going to be the day. I'm not going to eat A, B, and C and everything's going to change. And then tomorrow would come and I'd still be the same person with the same messed up mind. And I'm just, I'm grateful for this line. I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for those who sponsored me and worked with me and talked to me throughout this, my journey. And I'm just going to keep coming back. And I hope that you guys have a great day. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Amy G, you're up, followed by Ann B, and then we'll open it up for a few more. Several more. Good morning, Katie. Uh, thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So they say this disease is full of the three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance. And this paragraph has all of that, in my humble opinion, in spades. I mean, think about denial. For me, no person likes to admit he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. I denied. I, you know, don't even know I'm lying, right? Denial. I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I didn't understand what compulsive overeating was. And then I came to Overeaters Anonymous and I started to understand. And maybe I let go of denial, but then there was this delusion. The countless vain attempts that somehow by myself, by my knowledge and my willpower, that I could control this. You know, you look up vain in the dictionary, it's like countless pointless attempts, countless useless attempts, countless worthless attempts. I mean, there are so many adjectives there that we could put in place of vain that just reinforces my vain attempts to try to prove that I could be and eat like other people to the point of obsession, the delusion to the point of obsession where my thinking is so warped that I can't differentiate the true from the false. There was always going to be another diet. There was always going to be another Monday. This time, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and hoping and praying for different results. And then flat out defying, then the defiance comes in, the flat out saying, I'm just going to eat anyways. True, true powerlessness. I had to come to that point of powerlessness to myself that human intellect and my own experience and even my own willpower were not going to be sufficient to deal with the twofold nature of this out of this illness the the physical allergy and the mental obsession and it had to get to that level of powerlessness where i couldn't imagine living with the food or living without it I mean, we read about that earlier on page 25 it comes to a point where we have to admit which way am I going to go? Which way am I going to go? I'm going to pick up the spiritual kit of tools laid at my feet, put the food down and start working these steps like my hair is on fire. 
or going ahead and binging and purging till oblivion. You know, what was my choice to be? I had to make a choice to surrender, to choose to surrender. Powerless, yes, but not hopeless because I could choose to surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay, Ann B., you're up. Hi, this is Ann Bingham. I am very sorry, compulsive overeater. I'm so grateful for your service, Katie, for everyone on the line and for the previous shares. So I have um, 24 days under my belt, and um, my daughter is getting married this weekend. I feel a little crazy, uh, like I'm on an emotional roller coaster with everything happening and just other things in life. And I just have to hand this over to God just for today. So I can't live in yesterday. I cannot project about tomorrow. I could just have to lay aside today and um, step to give all my uh, mental or emotional, my feelings, issues to God and believe that somehow miraculously by just handing them over and giving them to him, that somehow he will calm me down throughout the day and I'll make wise choices just for today. And then I'll go to sleep tonight. I'll wake up the next day and I can trust that tomorrow what I need for tomorrow will be there. But, um, yeah, I have to let go of that obsession that I can control. It had the same issue with a drink. Um, cannot control a toast at the wedding. I cannot do that. That's not for me. But um, there are wonderful, healthy choices out there. And it's not about the food and the wine. It's about my beautiful daughter marrying a wonderful man. And they're starting a journey together. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm going through today or what other stressors are going on in my life. So um, with that, I'll pass, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're in Chapter 3, the first paragraph on page 30. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. And we have time for several more, so who would like to share? Geraldine O. from Ireland. Evelyn. Julie E.B. Geraldine H. Okay, I got Geraldine H. Julie E.B. Evelyn B. Evelyn B. Tony O. Tony O. Lori D. Lori D. Did I miss anybody? Um, I have Geraldine H. Julie E. Sorry, C. Okay, I have Geraldine H, Julie E B, Evelyn B, Tony O, Lori D, and Surrey C. And Trisha D. And Trisha D. So we'll try to get all those in. Um, go ahead, please, Geraldine H. Hi, my name is Geraldine O. I think I was the only Geraldine. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Oh. Yes, oh, go ahead. No, no, that's the problem. Yeah. Geraldine O from Ireland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and as we read through this paragraph today, I, I really wanted to share on it. You know, as I look back, I thought this really is a really good summary of, you know, my life before I came in the program. You know, initially unwilling to admit that I was a compulsive overeater, but I did come in knowing that I had a huge problem and an addiction to several food substances. But what stuck out at me was I didn't like it. So I hated the fact that I was bodily and mentally different 
from my fellows. I really thought, I suppose my ego was talking to me saying, no, you know, you don't have a problem. You're going to be able to to resolve this. And, you know, I now know that I couldn't, you know, no matter how great I thought I was, I was not going to be able to fix this. I needed my higher power to do that for me. And like that, it says it was not surprising, I suppose, giving that they that they were my thoughts, that, you know, I had so many vain attempts proving that, you know, I could solve this myself and eat like other people. My life was characterized by diet after diet and regain, lose 60 pounds, gain 80, lose 60 pounds, gain 90. And that has just gone on my whole life. I went to bed every night thinking, that's it. Tomorrow is going to be the day I'm going to be in control. And, you know, when I read this paragraph and it said that was my great obsession and I now realize that was the disease. And, you know, like it says, the persistence was astonishing. When I look back now, I can't believe that I kept doing it. But I understand that was the disease and I was pursuing it, you know, um, to the gates of death. It was having a huge, huge impact on my physical and mental well-being. And I am just so grateful to have found this program so that I can look at this paragraph and understand the insanity that was going on in my brain and that I've now accepted that, yes, I am bodily and mentally different, but thankfully I have a solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Geraldine O. And Julie E.B., you're up, followed by Evelyn B. Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs. <laughs> oh, illusion, delusion. Um, yeah, bodily and mentally different, that's me. And uh, I thought it was just the food. And then as I put down the food and became more and more willing to look at other food and get my food really quiet, I came to understand that these bodily and mentally illusions I built my life around left me with a higher power, and that higher power was food. If the food was right, everything would be okay. If the diet was right, everything would be okay. If I'm, uh, you know, just in the food, I'd be okay. If I was out of the food, I'd be okay. But it turns out these illusions were that there was something outside myself. That was my Gnosticism. That is, I knew a loving God, but my illusions were about all of life. I knew I knew there was a loving God in a corner of my brain, but the way my life was conducted said that um, I was in control, that I had power over my food, over my life, and that um, and that I could be the center of those things. And so um, I had given up on having a loving higher power that cared about me and could protect and help me. And the illusion at the center of my life was that life was about me. And so in this program, step by step by step, as I learn I'm powerless and that I can't manage, I can't rest happiness and management out of life, rest happiness out of life if I just manage well. Oh, what if I'm not in charge of the world? Um, Whether it's politics, whether it's... um, my job, whether it's uh, my home, um, and there's something else in charge and I just play the role I'm assigned. It's getting rid of those layered illusions in my fourth step and beyond that helped me 
not need that food to numb the pain. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Julie. And now we'll have Evelyn B. followed by Tony O. Hi, good morning. This is Evelyn B. from southeastern Massachusetts. I have um, always had that um, thought that I could possibly one day eat um, like a normal person. And uh, I've been in OA and then out, but still trying to practice what I've learned for 40 years. I'm back in, thank you, God. And this this is very poignant for me. I believe that my family, and it's familial, have a predisposition to this um, bodily abnormality and mental obsession with food and, and other substances. And that... Um, I saw how it affected my family. I asked my doctor when I, years ago, if I stopped eating sugar, would I not become diabetic? And he said, not necessarily, Evelyn, because of the family familial um, genetic component. And so um, I, that last sentence, many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. I was um, pursuing it into the gates of insanity and stopped, but my mother and my sister pursued it into the gates of death. They both died at age 69 with end-stage renal disease, you know, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, the end-stage renal disease, the dialysis and death, and it was related to the um, compulsive overeating. And I saw my brother, who's still with us, Every, he would tell us um, before he was diagnosed with diabetes that every day at lunch he would buy one of those big round things, big, I mean, you know, like could feed 10 people, and he would eat half at work for lunch, and he would go home and eat the other half, and he did become diabetic. So even if we know that this is a predisposition, it, it doesn't mean we can control it. It doesn't mean we can um, escape it. But what, how I've tried to deal with it all these years is to not pick up those substances, and that varies from time to time. And I still think that, yes, I could have one of those, and that's never true, um, not for me. And um, I'm blessed that I don't buy it, that I don't go near it, that I don't hang out in places that you can get that. Um, but but that's a, that is a conscious um, effort on my part and working the program, working with my higher power, working, working to stay um, abstinent is what I do. And it is a blessing. And for me, I do it because I saw all the suffering of all that illness. And I do it because I know to my core that I am, I have a bodily abnormality and a mental obsession. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you, Evelyn. Okay, Tony O, you're up, followed by Lori D. Yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Tony O. I'm a compulsive binge eater in Baltimore. Um, I, I've been in and out of OA a number of times. Um, this last time has been two years, and I'm still struggling. But I've never thought or wanted to eat like other people. It's It's just not been part of who I am. I mean, I don't 
I can't understand somebody who wants to have a slice of pizza. I mean, I, I want the entire thing. Um, you know, food for me has, so I've, I've never tried. It's I'm either on that extreme or I'm on the extreme of, I have to completely restrict myself and I'm not, I stay away from that stuff completely. I'm working now with a sponsor. Finally, I'm going to be doing the steps. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but for me, you know, food has been everything to me. Um, and it is insanity. And I've have been close to death, you know, when you're over 400 pounds and taking ambulance rides and having to answer the door for the delivery of food with, with your walker. Um, you know, food for me has been, it's food has been a lover to me. You know, I sneak, I sneak my lover in my house. You know, I want to be with, with food when food comforts me. And when I'm happy, I celebrate with food and, you know, I don't want anybody else to have my food. You know, food has been everything to me. Um, I, I just can't explain it, but I'm sure so many other people on this phone call understand it. Um, but it's been killing me. You know, it's been killing me. And I'm the last person to know this. Everybody else, all I have to do is look in the mirror. 400-pound man, over 400 pounds. I couldn't even weigh myself at home. I still, well, now I'm under 400. But, you know, everybody else knew except for me. Everybody else knew except for me. And I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy. I'm mourning all these foods that I'm going to have to probably give up. Um, I'm not happy about it, but I have no choice because I don't want to die. And like I said, I'm, I've got a sponsor now and we're going to start to work the steps actually today. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I appreciate this group and I appreciate Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm open to get back closer in touch with God because for me, that's where I find my peace. And um, I'm hoping that I can get that conscious contact and, and find some peace and, and get through this. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Tony. Okay. So Lori um, D, you're up, followed by Jerry C. Hi, this is Lori D from Sonora, California. And thank you for letting me share. And thank you for starting this chapter today, more about alcoholism. Um, so bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Well, yeah, I wanted to feel the same as my fellows. When And when I was young, I was the same as my fellows. That that was my family. And eating and asking, just like my grandma did, why am I doing this? Why can't I stop? I remember being at the table many times after the meal had ended and watching her eating the way that I started to eat. And so it seemed normal to me. So I, I did feel like I belonged. And I think that was one of the hardest things about, you know, just feeling like departing from those family values, you know, <laughs> values. Um, so, you know, being, they were religious, you know, and they had a deep faith. And so, but they're, but, but really, they never really believed that God would help them to the degree that God is helping me now. And I never believed it either. You know, for some reason, I didn't feel that God really valued me to that degree that he would get deeply involved in my everyday life and, and intimately involved in my food. You know, um, 
I had to get a God that worked. And, you know, for any newcomers, that really resonated with me. You know, it's okay to redefine God. That's what I learned. And God does work for me today. And he's only happy to do so. I'm still insane, yes. Um, my mouth waters when I drive past the walnut processing plant. I mean, it's not my foods, you know, yeah, sugar, yeah, flour. But there's some, yeah, other things you know, that I've come to realize and, and I'm coming to realize are things that I, I just are not my food, that are not my food. And it's okay, you know. Um, anyway, love the, love the paragraph. And I'm glad I'm not pursuing this illusion that I am like my fellows when it comes to eating. And thank you all for being online. I pass. Thank you, Lori. Okay, now we'll have Suri C, and um, you'll be our last share, Suri. Um, so, Trisha D, if you could please um, hang out for the second hour. Oh, gosh. Um, I just asked why. Hi, Suri C, compulsive overeater. Um, not recovered, but um, day by day. I am so grateful for this program, um, for this line to hear so many recovered voices before me um, because I, I'm putting, I'm, I'm, you know, claiming my seat in my non-recovered way to say I'm still in the struggle and it still hurts. But every day there's a nut that I identify in, every day that I Every day that I stop waiting for the someday and I stop spending time thinking about the somehow and I stop trying to take control and I stop obsessing and I stop focusing on how abnormal I am when it's to excuse myself and sitting in the illusion I, and I just come back and I just listen to the voices of recovery that are here on this line sharing for me, that's me starting out the way this paragraph starts out. I'm fighting that, right? Most of us have been unwilling. I'm showing up on this line. That's me being willing today. That's the first step that I'm taking for myself today. And, and I just want to say thank you. So um, for all of the, for all the crazy for all the people that have said, you know, Mickey Mouse could sponsor me and I'm still avoiding a sponsor. For all the people that have said, you know, let God sketch out the past because God, I want to I wanna control what that's supposed to look like also, right? I had a surgery in 2016 and I'm still the same size, but it's not because of me. And it's not because, I, like, it's because of God or my spiritual power, or my higher power. It's just because I'm constantly learning to distrust myself around food because that is my area of insanity because I, I belong in this room and I'm so grateful for all of these voices. And, and if I can end with that, I'm, and I pass. Thank you, Hal. Have a great day. Thank you, Suri. Okay. Um, thank you to everyone who shared and did service today. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing.
And the share ID for today, January 14, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 16,196. That's 16196. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hey, good morning, Katie F. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G. recovered in Boston. A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.